Welcome to Chasing Man, I'm your host Liam Mackley. So what is Chasing Man? Simply, it's just man chats. The whole idea of these man chats is just to hear people's journeys through life, the challenges and the adversity that they've faced along the way. The whole idea is so you can grab some of their tools to throw in your toolbox. So if you ever come to the same situation in your own life, you know how to deal with and get through those situations. Today I had an amazing opportunity to have on a really cool guy, Andrew Knox. Uh, I'm sure you guys are going to enjoy this one. The guy has literally halved his body weight over the years. And it's just a bit of a story about his journey with being a bigger guy, with losing weight and, you know, all the, the mental aspects around going through that. So enjoy this conversation. Uh, if you're watching the video, you'll see he's got a smile from ear to ear. He's just a lovely bloke, so please enjoy. Just be wary as well, team, that the internet connection uh, trips in and out quite a lot during this uh, call. Really sorry about that, but that's what happens sometimes in life. I'm sure you'll push through. Enjoy. In this corner, weighing in at 95 kilos, we have Leah McWee from Chasing Man, Ontario, Canada. In that corner over there, we have Mr. Andrew Hardman Knox, weighing in at 180 kilos. Um, I mean, half of that now. That is the most cheesiest introduction I've ever done, buddy. Man, <laughs> how are you? Oh, good, man. Uh, glad to be a part of it. Hey, thanks for the intro. I, uh, I love a cheesy intro. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I just was trying to sleep there earlier tonight and was trying to think of really creative ways. So I thought, hey, why not? Let's roll with it. Um, <laughs> yeah, 12 o'clock in the middle of the night here. I woke up for this very, very special man. He has an amazing story, one that I could not, could not wait to talk to him all about for you guys to hear it. Andrew, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, mate, the, from, I don't know, birth, sports, growing up, to sort of where you're at now? Paint a picture for the team. Yeah, man. Um, so the birth was pretty natural. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there was, uh, yeah, there's definitely a placenta involved and all that sort of gooey shit. But anyway, so, um, yeah, I came out uh, back in 86. Uh, so I'm a temperature, uh, a kid of uh, 86. And uh, yeah. So currently 34. Um, but yeah, to, to wind back the clock, I suppose, I started out as a fairly normal size kid in terms of baby size, but then come uh, probably primary school, I think that's where I really started to take shape. Um, and that's where I started to become you know, the biggest in my class, then the biggest in my year, and then the biggest in the school. Um, and <clears throat> as a kid growing up in, in primary school uh, or grade school or whatever you guys call it over there, like the, the big thing with that is, kids are like sponges as we know and their brains are like sponges and, and the scary thing is is that yes we do have childhood innocence to a degree but you can still remember you know people making fun of you you can still remember um you know that being that one kid that never had the you know the little the little girlfriend in, in primary school and the little oh she's my sweetheart and oh mom I, I gotta tell you about this girl i met in class and, you know so 
Um, I think that was like looking back at it now, that's probably some of the big things that kind of affected me as a kid. Um, but I suppose the great thing really was that my mum and dad uh, were both people that wanted me to treat others as I would want to be treated. Like that was their probably their big message. And um, I think that's really kind of resonated with me because it, it's, it definitely makes um, sharing this story even easier because I'm like, well, like you said, if we, if we can help one person be inspired to go and change their life for better, like that'd be really cool. Like I, I would be just like super pumped one person you know so that's why i love jumping on these sorts of things and that's why i love sharing my tale of better because i know that there'll be at least one person that potentially has a spark um so i mean as a kid um you know my my first ever memory probably from primary school would have been uh we did a bar graph um height and weight chart uh, and i think it was like year four so it would have been about nine or ten years old um, and I was about 65 kilos at that stage. So that's like a small adult. <laughs> um, but it wasn't that I was big and muscly, obviously. I was just a big round kid. Uh, and I suppose probably the, the thing with that is what made it stand out so much in my mind and still does that, you know, your biograph as, as a kid's in a class is it's like fairly consistent. You've got like a nice kind of steady line of, you know, 30, 40 kilos here and that, you know, a little bit of fluctuation. And then there was outlier. So, um, there was a label being put on me as you know, the biggest, you know, so I was already like getting this label put on myself. And I think that stems into a lot of the, um, issues I had as a teenager of obviously being the bigger kid. Um, Cause obviously once I got to high school, um, you know, I was having to order the biggest shirts they had at the school, uh, which, you know, there was literally me and one other guy um, who'd come from one of the other primary schools, obviously to, to merge into our, our school. And um, yeah, to, to be known as like one of two people in the school, like, you know, it was, it was a pretty daunting thing. Um, and as we know, high school can be like a very, daunting transitional period for like both males and females um for you know heaps of different reasons and I, I suppose the big thing for me was it's like cool what are people going to think of me like you know i'm no longer the big fish in the pond like i'd finished year seven graduated and gone into you know first year high school and it's like what's it going to be like to be that little fish um you know and all that sort of stuff so like again you you're fighting with all these you know mental mental side effects i suppose of, of just going through school right <laughs> um which again back then you're like you don't really think about it at the time but looking at it now i'm like cool yeah that, that definitely affected me man. um yeah. and yeah i suppose probably like the the other thing to wind back to is that i still did sport like i did sport like i i played I was under 14 champion tennis player for the Kimberley division, right? So like, that was like a regional thing that like the, the big thing that helped me with that was like, I would have probably pushing 80 kilos by that stage at 14. And um, like, I had a lot of power behind me. Like I had the fastest comp. Um, because I could hit the ball. Right? So this reason I just knew that, you know, I liked playing tennis and it was something that I just always loved to do. Um, 
and like I've told people that and they're like what you were a tennis champion and like you were that big and like how does that work and what the <laughs> hell like you know and um it really it, yeah because again it, it it messes with people's heads and I think um like I could never have long rallies like looking back at it like I always won off like five or six you know kind of shot points you know like it wasn't like a you know Federer Nadal 30 minute showdown from one point kind of thing yeah um, athlete right just blast yeah yeah, yeah, just I just hit the freaking ball, right? You know, so, um, and yeah, so I mean that was that was probably like another interesting thing that I love sharing because a lot of people are like, oh, so because you're big, you probably kept to yourself, and you probably you know you never did sport, you probably never took part in like activities and stuff. And I'm like, I was probably one of the most outgoing kids there. Like I'm a I'm an I personality, so I'm like big energy. That's why I'm great as a coach. Like I can I can inspire great like people and i think the the cool is that like that's another really cool pe- uh, bit that people like of my story is that i can share the fact that like i wasn't a, a hermit i wasn't a recluse um you know i still went to people's birthday parties i still went and you know took part in activities you know i was in scouts i was in police rangers i was in all these sorts of activities um and you just, again, like the, the childhood innocence, I think, was something that really protected me quite well because, again, my parents were like, don't worry about what they've got to think of you. Like, okay, you're a big kid. Like, it's, it's fine. Like, you, you know, it's not that you're big boned. It's what it, like, you, you're just a big dude. Like, you know, you, you know, and, and mum, who was a theatre nurse for 30 years, like, she at the time was like, there's every potential you could hit 18 and be as skinny as a twig. Like, she'd seen it happen with, you know, some of my cousins and you know she'd always remind me of that and I'm like oh okay maybe there is hope <laughs> you know <laughs> um <clears throat> but yeah so I mean that's that's probably that was probably high school like I was I was always an achiever in terms of academics like I was always a um not a bookworm as such um like I said I like to be interactive sciences and all that sort of stuff um I loved learning um, and I think that I, to, to this day, I still love learning something every day, like whether that's a, a two minute inspiration video that like gives me a bit of a, a different perspective on something on YouTube or, you know, reading a couple of pages from a book or, or whatever the case may be, or just even learning a different variation on exercise, right? Like, like that, that really kind of, um, gives me some really good drive for the day. So, um, yeah, I mean, high school was pretty, pretty full on. As, as a kid like I you know probably year 10 year 11 you start to go into the, the upper levels of high school and you know everyone's getting their first girlfriends and serious boyfriends and all that sort of stuff and like I was still the the lonely fat guy internally um but the jolly fat guy on the outside right like I was the jolly Santa that you know I was everyone's friend no one really had a bad bone to pick with me um but I did get some teasing and bullying um as all kids do in high school unfortunately in school it's just you know kids don't Stand the the man, um, and I think you know there was a, a girl that I really liked. In in year ten, we came down to Perth uh, from Broome, so that's like two thousand kilometres. Um, and there was a show called It's Academic, so we actually got selected um, to go on that and be and all this sort of stuff, and it was pretty cool and. You know, this this uh, this girl was like a brainiac, and like she was like really cool and easy to talk to, and I got along really well with her, obviously, because I could I could talk to anyone at that stage. And the other guys in the team 
obviously see me about it and started to piece with fun. You know, it kind of um, it was very off-putting, and I think the the pressures of that kind of really made me shy away from I think feeling intimate with like a female. Yeah. Um, and I think that really that really kind of pushed me away from ever kind of ha- like trying to have a girlfriend. Like I think that was that was a that was a limiting factor. So, <clears throat> but yeah. Um, hey, can we I ask suppose, some yeah. of the stuff just before we? go too much further because my yeah, brain yeah, yeah, yeah. my brain capacity isn't the best sometimes so <laughs> <laughs> no that's cool man. that's cool yeah, yeah, yeah. cool yeah well um, a couple of occasions i lost you a little bit there but it was it wasn't too bad so, so <laughs> when you were growing up as a kid you said that uh you know you were obviously the same person you are now, that big, lovely, if people are listening, this man has a smile from ear to ear. He lives from a great place of gratitude. He's just fully, like, excitable and pumped up all the time. When you were growing up with a, uh, as a kid and you still had that, that massive amount of, I guess, confidence within yourself, was that what the main drive that kept pushing you forward with all the sport and all the social interaction? Because a lot of kids at that age and going through what you were going through would, like you said, they would just recluse. They would stay away from people. What kept you pushing forward? Um, I think the biggest gratitude I can say in terms of explaining that would be the support of my mum and dad. I think that was that was probably the biggest thing that just kept reminding me that it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Like it's going to be okay. Like you'll get through high school. And then the next thing you left out was, that was kind of mom and dad's thing. It's like high school's nothing. Like you're not paying bills yet. That was a common thing. Dad used to say to me, he's like, you're not even paying bills yet. And you think you've got problems, you know? So um, that was, I think that was probably the main driving force was knowing that every day I could come home from school and I could openly talk to them about stuff as well. I think that was another really, really cool thing about my parents is that there was an open door policy from pretty much day one. Like, you know, there was never, oh, I'm too busy to talk about that. It was always it's amazing like, oh, that you had that. Like, you know, let's Sorry. just talk it out, you know. Sorry, yeah. dude, it just keeps cutting out every now and again. Hey, that, that's yep. amazing that you had that love and support um, at, at, that, at that young age, right? Like, there's a mm. lot of kids that are just, left out in the cold and then sort of have to fend on it for themselves. So I'm sure that, like you said, was a massive factor for you just to be able to push on and push forward. With, you know, like there's a, obviously we're both in the health and fitness industry now. When you look back at those younger days, do you think, so, you know, with my line of work, the life coaching and stuff, we look at it sometimes a lot of things is like, well, why do you think you were, were that size? Like, were you eating poorly? Obviously you were still exercising. Were you eating poorly? Were you overeating? Uh, were you eating, you know, to, to hide some of those emotions that were going on in the background? Have you ever sort of sat back and looked at like, what were the deeper reasons for, for the weight I, I, in simple terms? Um, I suppose I, I've always looked back at when I was at uni, like that's, that's a big thing. I've actually assessed like calories I used to eat on a, on a daily basis. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's frightening. 
um, like that that really scares the shit out of people. Um, but I think the when it comes to like the the high school days, I think something that always resonates with me was that because I'd always been big, I didn't know what small was meant to be. Like I only, I, I, I didn't actually understand that any other shape of me was possible. Um, so I just assumed as one would that okay, I'm big, I'm going to be, I'm going to be the big guy. Like I'm, that's just going to be me. Like, you know, um, you know, my best mates were like skinny twigs, but then they became the, the football guys and they had all the girlfriends and shit like that. I'm like, cool. That's their role. And it was just but on each other. Like, I think that's what really kind of drove it home that, you know, for me, I just assumed, all right, I'm the big dude that's good at academics and can talk to everyone. <laughs> you know, like that was, I think that's, that's what it was. Yeah. Well, that's really interesting from a mental standpoint, right? Like mm. the, the fact that you had sort of like just, just accepted that, Hey, here I am. I'm the big guy. And, and you know, I'm probably going to be that. And then I suppose the love and support from your family that, you know, you had in your mind that, well, it's it's probably going to change, and it's probably you know, I'm probably going to end up the opposite of the skinny twig guy, and and just do the same, same but different later on, later on down the way. Yeah. So, so it took, got up to sort of what are we at like high school, uh, mid mid to late teens now. Did did things other <laughs> other than sort of like the intimacy and the relationships with a woman change? Anything else change along the way? Um, like when did what age were you when you started really looking at things, evaluating things, and and sort of deciding, hey man, it's uh, it's time for a change. Okay, cool. So essentially, probably the next block would be me going to uni. So I I uh, left left home at uh, seventeen um, of my own choosing. So it wasn't like I ran away. Really. <laughs> it always sounds weird when I say it like that. Um, but yeah, so I obviously grew up in Broome. Uh, uh, which is northern Western Australia, so it's like remote Kimberley region, um, and that's about two thousand kilometres north of the state's capital, which is Perth, which is where I currently live. I'm just south of there, but anyway. Um, so yeah, at seventeen, had always had mum cook for us. Had always, you know, studied at home. Had that awesome family environment, like that loving nurturing thing. Um, at seventeen, had to travel to the other end of the country, essentially, um, and go into a a place where I was on my own. Like it was, you know, I had to make brand new friends. Um, I had to live by myself in a, in a flat situation. So there was like five other people, but like I was still fending for myself, so to speak, for the first time. Sure. So, um, you know, it was a very rude awakening in terms of, oh, that pile of washing on the floor is getting really big. I should probably go do some washing <laughs> in the next 24 hours. Uh, I'm running out of pants, like literally. Um, and, you know, Oh, food. Okay, I've got to get food, right? That was probably when my food started to become the issue. I think that was that was probably. Um, and well, uh, the semester or the term started in late Feb. My birthday was actually the twenty second of March, so I was one of my you know friends that you know we all kind of came to uni together that was lucky enough to have a birthday right at the start of the year, which meant the uni tavern became my new watering hole. <laughs> gotcha. So this is, this is where alcohol took a very firm grip of 
in my life. So, um, I mean, most people would probably look at it and go, yeah, you were a freaking alcoholic, but it wasn't that I drank every day or anything like that. It was just because by that stage, I was about 140 to 150 kilos. Um, was, and my first sign of this was my 18th birthday. Um, you know, it was, I think it was the week after O-Week, uh, so orientation week at uni. Um, so everyone's on this massive high. You've got all these new grads and all this sort of stuff like coming through and whatever. And um, for me, uh, because I was big, the stuff you don't drink out of a pint. Like you could probably drink out of a jug tonight. I mean, it's your 18th. Like we'll, we'll let it ride. Um, so I did. I, I, I drank my beer out of pints that night. I had four pints. Uh, sorry, not pints. Um, four jugs of beer to myself. Um, and then obviously, you know, a couple of other beers and all that sort of stuff. And woke up on the floor naked of my apartment um, with the door wide open and the typical sunlight cracking in through the window. And that woke me up. Um, and I thought, oh, shit, what happened? And that Thursday was Mad Thursday, you know, drink specials, all that sort of stuff leading into the weekend. Um, I essentially had four day drinking weekends. So like I would start drinking on a Thursday night. I would then drink Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then recover by Wednesday. So it was taking me three to four days worth of recovery. I mean, we've all been there at some stage. Um, and like that became the new norm. I stopped going to classes. I stopped doing my interaction with others. I started gaming more. Um, I got stuck in the world of Warcraft online and all this sort of stuff. Uh, I'm still a big gamer, but this really started to take hold. Like I was spending eight to nine hours a day, if not more gaming. I would then you know, drink every night, uh, you know, from Thursday to, to Sunday kind of thing. And that's where some of those hermit tendencies started to creep in and started to recluse away without actually knowing it. Now, don't get me wrong, I was still the life of the party. I could still bring all the energy in the world. So if someone was having a house party or a flat party or whatever. Um, <clears throat> but looking back at it now, I think that's probably the first time I started to realize that I was actually alone inside. Um, there was probably three or four times coming back from one of the local pubs, like walking distance from uni, that you know I would just get so drunk that I would just, I'd walk off. Like I'd leave my mates and just walk home. And I just, um, I'd end up punching bushes and signs and all sorts of stuff. I just had so much built up aggression that when people ended up coming down, like the next day, they'd be like, bro, like you were, you were a completely different person yesterday. Like, what the hell? It's like, oh yeah, man, I had a great time. I was like, no, no, no. Like, do you remember walking home last night? Like you were a, a completely opposite negative version of like what you normally are. And I was like, oh shit. Okay. Like what's what's to go here and obviously as a as another next turning point i was like well all right like what does this mean like am i turning into a horrible person or am i like you know um it's gonna be you know, scary place to, to be right like yeah to live from how long do you think uh sort of that 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 period lasted like i know sometimes at that age you get told that you're doing stuff like that and like you said you don't really remember so you don't believe so you you continue on that path for a little while before it really all sinks in well i think the the thing that made it last for a good four to five years is that unbreakable mentality like people under the age of 25 think, think they're unbreakable like it's 
it's a true, it's a real thing. Like that's never going to happen to me. I'll never get that bad. You know, all these sorts of terminology start to get thrown around. And it's not until you kind of hit that breaking point where someone actually points it out to you where a good mate of mine was like, bro, last night you were, you were in a horrible place. Like you were not, you were not ending off. Like that was, that was scary. You know, and to have someone send, uh, send that to me, I was like, well, that's, that's pretty full on, man. Like I, I need to do something about that. Um, and yeah, I think that, that was when it started to become a bit more self-aware and, you know, I started to cut back on the drinking a little bit. Cause I mean, I, I could put away by that stage, two bottles of Bundy rum, like 700 mil bottles of spirits to myself with obviously all the Coke and stuff that goes with it. Like the you know, Coca-Cola, not, not Coke. Um, yeah. And, and you know, that I, in I, itself I could, is yeah. not enough calories to sink a, a small yeah. ship in a night. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, I mean, that's, that's probably two to three days worth of calories right there. So um, yeah, if I was coaching myself right now, I'd be like, holy shit, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that, that was probably that first kind of realization period of like, okay, something's, something's not quite a hundred percent here. Um, and then I suppose the next thing really that kind of set off change was like my dad getting sick. So that was, that was probably like the big kind of catalyst of change. So, um, to give you some perspective, my dad was in the army reserves. He'd been in there for oh, long. Well, he started four years before I was born. Um, so he'd been in there for nearly 30 years by that stage. Um, I was about 25 at this time. Um, dad was again, everyone's mate. He was the most lovable guy in town. Like he knew everyone he'd, he'd born and raised in Broome. So born there in 53, um, and lived there his whole life and like knew everyone, everyone knew him as Noxie and all this sort of stuff. Um, and everyone knew him as a lovable person. He all of a sudden started having mood swings and outbreaks at work. Um, he worked at the, the Port Authority, uh, working on the stevedores nights and stuff. And um, he started having these mood swings and, you know, the staff members started getting worried because it's like, Noxie, like, you freaked out just then, like, what the hell's wrong with you? Are you having a bad day or do you need to talk to someone or whatever? And he's like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, what, what, I didn't freak out just then. And that was the first uh, um, signs that there was something going on with his brain. Um, the boss at the time actually got him sent to Melbourne to get some scans done because he was actually worried for his own health. And um, thankfully he did actually um, because they found a hole in his memory cortex. Front, front lobes of his brain potentially could have been 18 he was a jackaroo out on the station so that's like you know um like a cowboy essentially uh, in terms of like comparison to the u.s for standards so um but essentially he would uh, ride horses and you know, do stock work and all that sort of stuff um but he got bucked off his horse at a young age at like 18 and at the time there wasn't concussion checks it was like oh you can get back on your horse no worries we'll see you tomorrow Knox. um so like he'd pretend had this damage there. Unfortunately, he got diagnosed with Pick's disease, which is a rare, rare form of um, dementia and Alzheimer's. And unfortunately, because both of them take hold of the brain at the same time, it can either be very aggressive and very rapid progressing, um, or it can take 20 symptoms. So dad within six months was a completely different person. Um, he literally went from being physically fit, able to run 5Ks, um, have a conversation with you to 
tapping the table to respond in conversation. Like he'd actually stop talking mid conversation and just start tapping because that was his brain's way of responding because he would try to mimic sounds and stuff like that. Um, and then the other thing as well was he, the, the turning point for me was I came home at the Christmas holiday. So he'd been diagnosed about June, July, middle of the year. Uh, I came home at the Christmas holidays from uni and um, he didn't recognize me face to face. Um, like his own flesh and blood. Now, I mean, I'd been living 2,000 kilometers away for you know, a fair while, but still, like that, that was the moment that I was like, holy shit, like my hero is gone. Like this is, you know, um, so yeah, yeah like, I mean, that was. Yeah. Gotta be really tricky because, you know, they usually say with Alzheimer's and dementia, they remember things from the past, right? And at that age, mm. at that time, you're what age? Uh, 25, yeah. Yeah, so you would think he'd have some sort of recollection, right? Mm, mm. I mean, what even really drove it home further that there was something seriously, like this was a real thing, like this was happening, was that he would actually talk to some of the care nurses as if he was out on the station still at like 18 years old. So he was talking about like, oh, we're going to bring the horses in and you know, all this sort of stuff. And like, oh, so-and-so is coming in from, you know, out off the other station, you know, Temper Craig and they you know, got to do all this stuff and you know, we got it and then he just and then it would disappear and then he couldn't even remember my name so it's it's like to hear that you're like oh okay this is this is actually happening and i think um i think the, the catalyst for that and i know that i'm silly for saying it this way but i always think it sounds a bit kind of cliche but i'm like well i had a moment of clarity where i, I actually said to myself i was like well if he can change so rapidly for bad surely I can change for good. Like I was in, and I started to evaluate the fact that like, cool, my life consisted of video games, porn, and fucking drinking for four days a week. Like yeah. that's, that was my life, right? Um, and I think that was the moment that made me really kind of go, well, cool. What if I started heading in the other direction? Like what if I started just doing something, you know? So, um, I'd always been involved in team sports. Like I said, um, we used to play indoor soccer every weekend and stuff like that. Looking back at it now, a lot of the time I was in goal because <laughs> um, obviously I covered a lot of space. Great goalie, um, yeah. It's, which is what you want in goal, right? Like, um, like Goldberg's Mighty Ducks, yeah. But, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like, I mean, it, it's finding, finding that out and having that realisation moment. I think that was really, really full on. And I, I was just like, okay, cool. Like I, I haven't actually been taking part in life. I've been existing. And like I started having all of these sorts of like awakening moments. I think that's probably the best way to put it. Um, and you start to become more self-aware and you start talking to, you know, trainers at the gym. Cause I went and joined the gym. Um, Day I, you know, I played you know, by that stage, I was 180 kilos, and um, you know, like 100 meters on the treadmill, so 25 seconds at like slow pace. Like, imagine, um, I actually look like what I look like now after a two hour like weight session. Like, I was out of breath. Like, the staff members actually had to come over and hit stop on the treadmill for me because they thought I was gonna have a heart attack. Um, like, sweating profusely, and we're talking. 27 seconds of effort. Right, like 
I don't know why I, I, I'm still trying to figure out to this day, like what made me walk out of that gym, get in my car and drive home. But on the way home, I was like, cool, can't run. What if I just walked? And I don't know why I had that moment. It, it just happened. Like I just actually asked myself, well, what would happen if I just walked every day? Like, let's just do that. But then I went back the next day and the trainers and stuff were like, oh, get, you know, as you can imagine, they're like, oh God, it's that, that big guy again. Like, hey man, do you need like help with anything? And like, <laughs> I was getting waited on. Like, you know, it was crazy. Um, it was like walking into a fucking five-star hotel <laughs> and I was some, some sort of megastar. I was just like, what's going here? Um, I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm good. It's all good. I'm just going to walk today. I'm just going to walk. I've got this. But, you know. And so I've walked onto the treadmill and walked for 10 minutes. And after 10 minutes, I was absolutely exhausted. I was in the exact same position I was the day before. But I was like, cool. I made it 20 seconds yesterday. I nearly died. I did 10 minutes today. Yeah, cool. And I was like, what if I do 11 tomorrow? So I came in and I did 11 minutes today. And then the next day, I was like, cool, what if I do 12? And then two weeks later, I'm, I'm walking 30 minutes every day. And I was just like, holy shit. Like, this is, this is crazy. <laughs> Like two weeks ago, I nearly died after 20 seconds of effort. I was like, this is, you know. Um, and were the results yeah. rapid? Like, did you start to see results fairly quickly? Or was uh, that just the beginning of the journey and then you had to look more at nutrition and things like that? Or did you see that, that change fairly quick? So that was the starting point. The other big nutrition-wise we had for... Um, a product called Body Trim. Jeff Jowett, a guy, he you know he helped over three hundred thousand Australians lose like anywhere from ten to hundred kilos, right? Um, and, and it was this product where you literally um, you change your meals, you know, grazing all day essentially to three to six meals a day, like structured, um, and you had a protein source at every meal, and you had and you started with three days of only protein, so it was like essentially looking at it now from a coaching point of view it's a modified ketogenic style diet of like you know meat first and then add, add everything else to it yeah um or protein first i should say if you know if you've got vegetarians and shit um but yeah and i was like well like, i've got nothing to lose i love eating meat like that's no dramas like at least eat steak and you know, sausages and all that sort of stuff all the time good australian, uh, wasn't a big good australian man. <laughs> yeah 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 um and yeah, like I thought, why not? I'll try it, right? So I rang the number. It was like 99 bucks. You've got the little pack with DVDs and stuff. And you know, he's going through the spiel and everything. And I was just like, yeah, I could do that. I could, I could eat meat for three days and then like kind of slowly add stuff into it and just see what happens. Um, I went from eating two meals a day. I'll get into that in a sec. But I went from eating two meals a day to six meals a day. Um, so every three or four hours, I had something ready. Um, I started doing a little bit of prep because I was like, fuck, this takes ages if I'm going to cook every single time I need to eat. Um, so again, like adapted and overcame that, that next hurdle. Um, and then essentially from there, like within my first week of changing my food and just walking 30 minutes a day, because I was able to do that by that stage, um, lost eight kilos. Nice. Like, and that's where I was just like, oh, okay, well, this works. Like the numbers, like, I'm eight kilos different, like within a seven day period, Monday to Monday, because I used to weigh in every Monday. Um, yeah, like it just, it fell off. And I was like, well, cool. Again, the mentality was, well, if that's 
could have done in a week. What if I didn't? <laughs> because what I'll explain with the nutrition is now going to blow your mind. Like to give you an idea of what I had gotten to with food by that stage was I would get up. I was working retail. Um, I used to live well. Um, get up at 11, be at work by 12. On the way to work, I've picked up three meal deals from Chicken Street, which is like just the chicken and chips sort of fast food. Yeah. Um, and essentially, you're looking at you know a chicken wrap or a chicken burger with chips, uh, large chip. Everything was large, obviously. Um, bottle of Coke, but I'd always have 1.25. I'd upgraded my standard that I no longer drank 600 ml bottles. I always ordered a 1.25. Um, so I was like, well, that's that's just what I drink now. <laughs> um, so that in itself is a couple of thousand calories. And then you're looking at dinner. Once I got home at like six, seven o'clock, once the shops were shut, was, I was like, cool, well, I'm at uni. We've got a pizza, pizza hut and Domino's meal deal vouchers all over the fridge. I would literally, I'd started off with a large pizza deal. I then realized that per quantity of food was actually cheaper, technically, <laughs> just to order a family feast. So I started ordering family feast. And it was three large pizzas, garlic bread, two liter Coke, and any other trimmings that they added with it, right? And eventually I just ate the whole thing. And that became my norm. In one so sitting? Every, yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So three large pizzas. Also, so a normal family meal for like four people at least, um, I would put away in a sitting. Um, another crazy thing that I started doing was, you know, by that stage was KFC. I, I know I no longer just got a couple of pieces of KFC. Like I ordered a family feast of like chicken. So I would I would eat a twenty-one piece feed of KFC. I think there's like nearly two and a half chickens worth of chicken in that, or probably more. Um, plus the chips, plus the gravy rolls, like plus the coke, all that sort of stuff. Like the whole thing, I would, and again, it had just become the norm by that stage. So for me to switch from what roughly, looking at it now, I ran the numbers in the last year before, I was eating nearly 14,000 calories a day. Hey. Hang on, hang on, um, you just cut out there for a second. That. Did you say oh. fourteen thousand calories a day? Yeah, fourteen thousand. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a that's a Michael Phelps Olympic gold medalist swimmer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, to give you to give you some more perspective, uh, I think it was uh, Brian Short. I was watching his video on a, a daily eating thing with him, like world's strongest man, sort of competitor yep. in the US. Yeah, it was. 20,000? Easy. Like nearly 180, 200, 200,000 calories or something. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> so I was doing okay. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I mean, to, to, to switch to six meals a day. You there? Yeah, back, yeah. Yeah, sweet man. <clears throat> so I mean that was that was essentially why you can see such a big shift happen within a seven day period. Um, 
But an amazing mindset, dude. Like an absolute stunning mindset. You, A, mm. first see that, you know, things are going downhill with dad. I can make a change for myself for the positive. Mm. You get your ass into the gym by yourself. You start working out and then you start chasing the nutrition all by yourself. Do you think that's all part and parcel of the mindset that come from mum and dad or were you just so tunnel vision that there was no stopping you? Like what kept you motivated just to keep punching away? Um, I suppose probably the, I, I definitely believe that the upbringing definitely helped. So having that supportive family lifestyle, I think, that definitely helped. Um, it, I think it gave me a structured mindset without even knowing it. Um, I mean, you talk to, like I've got friends of mine that have come from, you know, divorced families and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, one parent gets one kid, the other one gets the other kids, and all that sort of stuff. Like it's, it's a hectic way to live and it's a hectic way to grow up, of course. And there's always going to be damage from that and fallout and, and so on and so on. But um, I think, yeah, definitely looking back at it now, it's one of the main driving forces as to why I think I was able to adjust and not just fall apart. I think that was probably such a big thing. And I mean, like I rang mum and told her I'd lost eight kilos in a week and she's like, holy crap, like keep going. <laughs> you know, um, and, and I think, you know, obviously I, I couldn't share that with dad at that stage, uh, unfortunately, but, um, you know, I still got to see him before he passed. And obviously I was, you know, I was a coach by that stage and um, half the size and all this sort of stuff. And like, it was just, it was really cool to be able to at least see him again in that state um, before he passed. And I think, I think probably the, the crazy thing was, is that like a lot of people go, Oh, well, but do you think he knew that you were the same person? And I said, yeah. yeah, of course he did. You on the shoulder going, come on, let's go. <laughs> you know, um, and I think he he definitely would be help out of me. And I think that's that's probably like one of the same races that, that kept me going. You know, dad was of able mind. Like he would be the first person screaming on the sideline going, you got this, you know, like, um, and I think that's, that's definitely something that I think, like you said, comes from that support. Um, background in the background. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. And, you know, like I'm, I'm sure, I'm not sure if you believe in this or not, but like, I'm sure he's looking down on you, man. And he's, he's a very, very proud man of what he sees in front of him now. Mm. So, I guess from that wee story there, is that where uh, the body consultants sort of ethos came from, your journey? Um, well, by that stage, because I'd lost my first 45 kilos um, and I'd, I'd gotten a PT by that stage and was getting trained and started doing weights and, um, and things like that and obviously knew that what I was doing was working. So I just, I just kept going. I just, I just was like cool all right it works so why stop something that's not broke <laughs> yeah you know um 
And I just switched over to my mate, a mate of mine who I'd gone through high school with. He'd become a, a trainer and he was um, living just down the road from me and all that sort of stuff. So I ended up training with him and went over and actually got accepted into the body trim, trim of the year competition. Um, now I had entered this in like April of that year and I was like 80 kilos down at that stage. Um, and just sending a before and after photo from like, you know, me and my trainer, Dylan, um, <laughs> and never thought anything else of it. Cause my mate was like, Oh yeah, you've been doing body trim. Haven't you? You should like, you know, they're doing this competition. Have you seen it? And she just sent me the link. Right. And I was like, Oh, have a look. And, um, yeah, so I, I put in my details and all that sort of stuff. And, um, yeah, all of a sudden, like four months later, I'm getting phone calls from Sydney and I'm like, what's going on here? And of course, because it was in the middle of the day, I just thought it was telemarketing, as you do in Australia. <laughs> you just, you don't think any, any different. You're like, oh, God damn it. Like, yeah. so this one, this one day I answered and I was like, hello, what the hell do I raise on the phone to do? Uh, <laughs> and it's Jeff Jowett, the creator of Body Trim. Like he personally was trying to call me to say that I had been accepted into the finalists of the final 13 to come over to Sydney for the, you know, the, the, the trim of the year. Wow. And I was like, as soon as I heard him speak, I was like, holy crap. Because <laughs> he's been on TV and, you know, he's got a very um, knowable voice. Like, you, as soon as you hear it, you know it's him. Uh, oh, I lost you, bud. Oh, what's going you back yep. yeah there you go yeah i can i'll edit that part out but you just finished the last thing yeah. i heard you say was um uh it was him on the telephone yeah sweet so um you know jeff's like mate what are you doing i've had four girls trying to call you from the office for the last four or five days and you haven't answered like what what are you doing like do you want to do this or not and i'm like what what what's what's this for sorry like i thought you were a telemarketer and <laughs> You know, it's the middle of the day and it's an unknown number and it's, you know, from Sydney and all this sort of stuff. He goes, you're one of the finalists. We've selected you to come over to Sydney. Like, we want to pay for you. We want to put you up in the five-star hotel. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> um, so, you still got us? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, that, that was essentially that was me going to Sydney for the body trim final. So um, I went over and met oh, 13, oh, sorry, 12 other Australians that, you know, ranged from a 55 year old train driver, sorry, 65 year old train driver from Sydney. Um, he had every health problem under the sun. He'd started body trim, lost like 55 kilos. Um, he went from seeing a doctor four times a week to once a month, um, which I, I was just like, that's like, that's outstanding. Um, you know, I'm meeting these mums that have like halved themselves and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, they're like just incredible stories. But I think the, the crazy thing was is that I still, I still think I'd made it. Like I dropped half my body weight, like 90 fucking kilos. And at that stage, I still thought like it was okay. Like I'm, I'm talking to these people and like, you know, old mate from Sydney that's, you know, 65 and dropped half his body weight and no longer has to go to the doctor anymore. Like, I was just like, this is, like, that's a that's a powerful story right there. And I was, I was seeing all of this, like, crazy inspiration from these people. And everyone kept, like, gawking at me the whole time over the first day or so because it was like a weekend event. And I was 
just like, why does everyone keep looking at me or weird and shit? And like, they were just like, bro, like you, you are winning this. Like you've got this in the back. Like there's like none of us even compare like in your story. I'm like, are you kidding me? So-and-so's done this and all that is done this. And these women have to go to the doctor and she's doing this. I'm like, you guys are fucking real. Right? And they were like, yeah, do you? I'm like, what? <laughs> and um, yeah, even Jeff pulled me up on it. He's like, bro, like, you don't get it, do you? Like, I've never seen a transformation like yours. I've seen people in the US because he'd had international clients and stuff like that. He'd seen people drop like 110, 120 kilos, but they were gaunt, they were malnourished, they weren't in good shape, like they weren't healthy. Um, you know, they'd had surgery, they'd done this, they'd done that. Like they hadn't just stuck at it like what I'd done for 18 months. Um, and that's when I was like, oh, okay. Like I've actually, maybe I have actually achieved something here. Um, and yeah, I, I, I took out the title of Trimmer of the Year for 2013 and you know, um, became an overnight sensation i was on tv for you know channel seven and i did some of the advertising of body trim and stuff like that like it was it was really really cool like i um you know, it, was, it was very very cool and um definitely humbling that's for sure <laughs> but um i suppose probably the the big thing from that is i i got back to perth and my trainer dylan's like bro like he's like retail like yeah like you're a walking advertisement that this is possible like you could literally tell anyone your story and you'll get them moving you'll get them doing stuff and i was like all right <laughs> um and yes yeah, so i i enrolled um, with the prize when he uh showing a month later i started my pt course did my cert three and four and um then became a trainer and yeah like the, the next bit was kind of I worked in a 24-hour gym for about three years. Um, got all my kind of like my base kind of expert knowledge, I suppose you could you could call it from experience. And then um, a mate of mine through Ketones and Prove It, he he reached out and said, "Bro, I love what you're doing in that gym, but you're in a 24-hour gym. I can guarantee you'll make like 500 bucks a week. You're probably all these overheads and extra stuff, and working 70-hour weeks, and you've never been on a course since you became a PT, have you?" I'm like. I've done one boxing course for 300 bucks because that's literally all I could, could afford. Yeah. Like, bro, I, let's do this. And I was like, um, oh, I'll, I'll come for a coffee. I don't drink coffee, but like, <laughs> I'll, I'll come and have that conversation. <laughs> um, and yeah, like we, we literally caught up a couple of days later um, and yeah, the later that day, I was calling my mum, going, "Hey, mum, um, do you reckon you can give us a loan to start a gym?" <laughs> and yeah, the rest is eighteen months later. We now now have what over two hundred and fifty people we've helped, over a thousand kilos of fat loss between them, um, and the journey continues. So, <laughs> that's amazing, dude. Good on you. Yeah, that's absolutely fantastic. Hey, a question I wanted to ask though is when you started changing mm. your life around. What happened to all the drinking buddies? The social aspect, how did you deal with all that side? Because at that age, that's that's tender. Yeah, so, you know, that's cool. So probably a big thing with that is um, because I changed my food so much, that was probably the big thing is that I noticed at, you know, your parties, people talk to you differently. Sorry, they don't talk to you, they talk at you differently. 
Um, now these are mates that I'd had for years, right? And they were like, oh, uh, Noxie needs meat. Like, don't give me potato salad. I'm like, what, 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 is, what does that mean? <laughs> like, what? What's that about? Like, am I for now? Or hang on. And I think um, because obviously Aussies pull the piss out of everything, um, but it still was something that I became very apparent and aware of quite quickly. Um, that I was like, oh, okay, am I an outcast now because I'm trying to be better? Like, what, what does that mean? Like, does that mean I'm doing the wrong thing now? Or you know, so there was definitely a couple of times where I had to actually remind my myself, so like, no, like you're 90 kilos lighter. Like, look back at what you used to be. Do you want to be that again? I was like, well, no, because I couldn't walk a flight of stairs without being out of breath. You know, I was eating rubbish food all day long. I didn't have a girlfriend. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. Like, there was all these no's. I'm like, cool. 180 kilos was my definition of no. Like, you know, my, my new life was I said yes to a lot more stuff. I could take part in a lot more stuff. I could, you know, actually live my life instead of exist. Um, and... You know, it, it just took a couple of times at barbecues. I was actually like, hey, man, like, you know how you talk about the salad and stuff? Like, I really appreciate it. I just didn't do that because it, I know it's funny and all and it's said as a joke, but in all honesty, like, I just eat food. Like, <laughs> Good on you, and, man. Um, that, that, that takes balls, you know. There's, a, there's so yeah. many people that don't put up that, sorry, that don't stand up for themselves. They just let people push them around and, and rub their, I don't know, their fear of change for themselves off on you, right? Like they see you succeed or how can I feel better about myself? Oh, I'm going to make him feel like mm -hmm. shit. Have I lost you? Exactly. Your mentality, right? Like drag you back, you know, so. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that that's, that was probably the, the one thing I did notice is like people were very kind of uh, cautious about food. Like they're sometimes you're having conversations because I was a PT as well, right? Like you get that, oh, the PT here, don't like hide the donuts. Like, <laughs> you know, so it's like, no, no guys, just eat fucking food. I don't care. Like I'm here to have a good time just like everyone else. Like, <laughs> you know, so, um, and I think that's where everyone started to realize it's like, oh, Noxie is still Noxie. Okay, cool. You know, like it, it was, it just, it shattered all of that bullshit, you know, that people would put up. So, um, yeah, cause I was still the same guy. I still had the big massive grin. Um, I just, my body was a completely different size. That's all. <laughs> What's the, uh, the one thing, buddy, that you could sort of share with everybody. So throughout your journey, what was the one thing that, that kept you on point that kept you pushing and going in the same direction? Cause there's a lot of people that are in the same boat or have been in the same boat of you and you know they they get part way down that journey and and things fall apart what what is it that's worked for you for so long but um i think if i was to put my finger on one thing i think it's the fact that i've always treated people how I want them to treat me back and that's something that obviously came from mom and dad like I said previously but in saying that that's also led to in terms of it's also helped me to 
um, build better relationships from scratch um, because I'm a good listener. Um, I know I know my fiance Beck doesn't think that at times because I, <laughs> I hear and <laughs> and not always listen, but that's okay. But all, all guys do that. That's fine. <laughs> um, but no, I think I think I think that's probably the big thing. It's like from that supportive uh, network to start with. It then made me associate with other positive people, right? Like it made me. Ha- hang out with good people it made me um you know and then as i became more self-aware as i became you know a different person i became a coach and all this sort of stuff i was like cool i've still got some shit people in my life see ya like and i just i stopped associating with them like i stopped talking to them through facebook i stopped you know like i unfollowed them on facebook you know like unfollowing people on facebook and instagram is probably one of those powerful things you can think about oh my god um especially when it's something that you look at every single day and it's like it's the same bullshit posts of like negativity and i hate my life so you should hate your life to be like me and it's like i don't want that I, I just i don't want that right like so like there's even members of mine at the gym that i've literally like i don't follow them on facebook purely because their content is just absolute rubbish um even though they're you know trying to better themselves at the gym which is great which i'm all for but I'm, I've actually stated to one of them, I'm like, I had to unfollow you the other day because the stuff you post is just, it's not good. It's, it's not, it's not growth worthy and it doesn't better you in any way, shape or form. And it's great um, that you're honest with them, right? Because maybe that's the thing that, that they need to hear for them to totally 100% complete their journey or change their direction. That's what I believe. I, I believe it's got to, it's got to remove them around you. Otherwise, it's always going to be around you. So there's always that chance that you'll slip back, right? Um, so I mean, yeah, I I surround myself with positive, happy people that also challenge me as well. Like they challenge me to grow. They challenge me to come on podcast. They challenge me to do my own podcast. This sort of stuff. Um, I believe that's that's probably. Yeah, I think if, if one thing, it's, it's probably the fact that I started off with a, a great surrounding of positivity, um, which then led to me making better choices along the way that's helped me stay on point. Such a uh, such profound words, dude. That's, uh, that's a, a lovely <laughs> way to finish up. Hey, where, where can people find you if, you're, uh, if they're interested in, you know, hearing more about your story or maybe someone just needs a chat and thinks that you're the man for the job? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. So um, I'm on all the socials, <laughs> as everyone is these days as a coach trying to make a dollar. Uh, um, but essentially, yeah, I'm the body from Southern WA. Um, just south of Perth and essentially we've got a website tbcgyms.com um, or the bodyconsultants.com either one's fine um, Instagram I'm uh, coach uh, we came up with that a couple of weeks we had a bit of uh, it's good um, and it's definitely getting some good good feedback as well um, and then Facebook yeah I'm just Andrew Knox on there uh, you can look for the big grin um, and yeah, like it's, if people want to reach out, like I'm always up for a chat. I'm always uh, interested in talking to people that want to chase better. Um, and again, like if you've got more time for negativity than positivity, then you probably won't get much of my time. Like that's, that's pretty much just how it is. Um, and yeah, like it, it's, 
I suppose the other thing that's probably transformed in me in the last two years of owning my own facility is it's like, cool, if you're, if you're willing to show up and follow the food, so training and nutrition, then like I can do everything in my power to help you. But if you can't commit to showing up first, then we're not going to get anywhere. So that's, that's probably my big message to people is like show up and follow the food and like, you know, um, that's probably it. Right. Like, I mean, that's why we're getting success because people see my story like, what, what did you do? I'm like, I just, I just keep showing up. That's it. That's, that's, that's the big difference. Like I've just showed up longer than you currently. Like it is, right? I let down, you know, and, and it leads to all those other opportunities. It leads to, you know, oh, I can now go on podcasts with cool people. I can now you know, do all this other cool stuff because I just keep showing up. <laughs> so. It's a, uh... It's so, so, so easy, right? But sometimes not that simple. So I love the way that you, you know, you've, you've worked that into the gym with your three pillars, that big, that big clause of what is it? Exercise, nutrition, accountability, and you're, you're, you're yeah. keeping everybody on track, dude. It's wicked. Yeah, man. And it's, again, it's yeah, like, we, I like to talk simple. Like people come in and they go to sign up for the gym and they're like, all right, so what's my calories going to be? And what's this going to be? And I'm like, cool. I want you to write down your food for the next two weeks. And they're like, yeah, but what's my calories and what's this? And like, how many weights am I going to do? And I'm like, cool. I, I want you to write down your food for two weeks. And they're like, oh, that's easy. I'm like, no, no, it's simple. It's not easy. Because I can guarantee you there's like 20 things going on in your life, whether it's kids, work, whatever, stress, um, or just distractions of like your phone, internet, whatever, um, that's going to make you forget at least one day. And they're like, oh, oh, no, no, no. I'm like, cool, prove it to me. Go and do two weeks of just writing down every single thing that you put in your mouth, including liquid calories. Uh, literally, usually after four, go, oh, how, how's your food going? Oh, so, um, yeah, I don't eat as well as I thought I did. <laughs> and it, it's, it's just that brutal honesty right but again it's like you code it and do whatever you need it doesn't fix anything it doesn't change anything you know so yeah. awesome dude hey uh i'm looking forward to um hearing your podcast when you start it up super excited for that mm. little next journey for yourself and uh i'll definitely be keeping people posted through all my socials because i can't wait to hear it yeah, man, uh, it's, it's pretty exciting. I'm looking at, at doing, um, it'll be um, with me, obviously. Uh, but also, I want to start the amazing um, transformation and just journeys we've had with our members that have been with us for like over 12 months and all that sort of stuff. Because um, there's some really, really powerful stuff there. And like you said, if, if it's something that can inspire someone to, you know, just take that first step, then that's what it's all about. Do mate, you're inspiring a ton of people by the day, and I know that because I'm one of them. Awesome, man. Thanks for your time, and cheers for having me on, bro. You're most welcome. Have a fabulous day, my man. You'll do, brother. Cheers.